We're going to continue to talk about prayer today. I'm going to show you a clip with Jimmy Stewart. It's only 23 seconds long. Uh, it's from the movie Shenandoah. He has lost his wife. It's during the Civil War. He has his children on the side of him, and the, the camera pans in, and you'll see Jimmy Stewart pray. But I want you to listen to his prayer, okay, because it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. Listen to what he says. Okay, uh, Bob, are we ready? Okay, let's show that. Did you catch that? Lord, we did it all. We cooked it, we harvested it, we planted it, we tilled this ground, and we did it by the sweat of our brow, and we begrudgingly thank you. Amen. <laughs> I remember when I was looking for this video clip, and I was asking around, and somebody said, well, I have some Clint Eastwood clips, and I said, make my day is not a prayer, okay? Make my day is not a prayer. We laugh at Jimmy Stewart, but I do believe that our own, catch this, self-sufficiency really messes with our prayer life. And today's message is going to address that a bit. So I hope you have your Bibles. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. We're in chapter 6. Last week we, we covered, in fact, we'll do a little, we'll little catch-up today for those of you that haven't been with us. But before we get to Give us this day our daily bread. Let's review just a little bit about how your prayer life is. Is it passionate or is it passive? And we remember the three foundations of prayer. Maybe I didn't go into this enough and hopefully it will jog your memory. And that is this. Three foundations of prayer is you, the Holy Spirit, and the Word. Heather, I don't know if I have that as the next slide. Uh, let's see what the next slide is. Yes, the three foundations of prayer. It's you, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. And if you want to write things down, if you like to write things down, prayer is entering into the presence of God. That is what prayer is. Anytime you're engaging Him, you are coming into His presence. And, and the next uh, slide, if, as a reminder, is this. And you can write this down. Prayer changes circumstances, and prayer is so powerful, it will change you. You can't be praying for some result, putting your will towards it as it lines up with God's will, and not be changed by it. That's how powerful prayer is. It changes us. And the next slide as a review does, is this. Conversing with God. Prayer is listening through speaking. God speaks to us in prayer as we speak what? His word back to Him. Have you ever said, Lord, you are my strong tower? Where did you get that phrase? From His word. Lord, you are my shelter and shield. Where did that phrase come from? His word. Lord, you've got my back. Did that come? Well, kind of. He said He would never leave you or forsake you. So when you are praying and you're praying the Word, it comes back and you're hearing it almost like it's fresh and new again. And, oh, it's just so great. It's awesome because that intimacy comes. God speaks to us in prayer as we speak His Word in prayer. And then remember this next one. When we were talking about getting ready to pray, prayer has to be real and genuine. 
It's in the context of relationship, and it happens in our public, personal, and our private world. We publicly pray, we pray in small groups, but we also pray by ourselves. And if we're not real and genuine and transparent with God, we are not going to experience any transformational power that comes through prayer. It's just not going to happen. And then last week we did this. I don't know if I even have a slide for next week. Yes, I do. All glory and praise is due to our good Heavenly Father. Our God, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we talked about that. Thy will being done. Faith to hear, faith to believe in his will, to ask for the impossible, and to act on what you've prayed. So give us. We're going to start with this phrase. Go to the text. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to get through one verse today, but it's powerful if we unpack it right. Give us this day our daily bread. Now when we say give us, we find a number of realities. We're making a number of statements when we say that. To say give, give me. First of all, number one, and there's not, there's not going to be any fill in the blanks. It's just I'm going to go through a number to help me. Number one, when we say give me or give us, we acknowledge a position of dependency. We don't have power and authority or control our life circumstances. We may pretend that we're control freaks, and maybe we're freaks, yes. But we really don't have control. You cannot control what's going to happen in the next hour. You have no control over it. And when we say give us, we're automatically acknowledging that we're in a position of dependency. We're not the one that has the power. But we are asking the one who has the power. It puts us in a place of humility it puts us in a place like a child to a parent role. Uh, and it puts us in a place of thankfulness. It feels good to help someone else out, right? It feels good to help somebody else out. But the feelings are completely different when you have to ask for help. Am I right? How many of you do not like to ask for help? Oh, you all raise your hands. Because... Why? Because we're like Jimmy Stewart. We're self-sufficient. We think that if we ask, give me, help me, do anything for me, God, that somehow we are weak, we're inadequate, we don't measure up. How dare we break the American dream that we're not self-sufficient cowboys on the range, right? And there's a whole different set of feelings that come when we ask, God, I am being put in this position of dependency on you. Would you begrudge your three-year-old if they were hungry and they came in and asked for an apple? Would you say, how dare you ask me? Or would a good parent do what? Gladly give. They're happy. We're at the grace and mercy of God and by saying give me, catch this. This is a mental thing for us. Because we're all mental. It's not selfishness. You've been taught your whole life, if you say give me, that somehow there's a selfish connotation to that. Well, I shouldn't have to ask for you to give me. No, 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 no. That has no connotation here. It is not selfish for you to ask God. He wants to be asked. 
He is the good, good father. He wants to be asked. And so by saying, give me, we're saying, I'm coming to you, Lord. I'm coming to you. Number two, on give me, it's realizing where our gifts come from, who meets our needs and grants so many of our desires. The book of James says it this way, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And James goes on and says later on in that epistle, he says, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. By saying give me, number three, the source who gives us our good gifts meets our needs, and it's not yourself. It's not your wallet. It's not your talent. It's not your job. It's not your health. It's not your spouse. It's not your kids. It's not your IQ. It's not your social standing. Or like Jimmy Stewart, it's not because he tilled the land. God equips us and gives us through things through those things, but He is the source of them. You get blessed all the time in different ways, right? The source of that blessing is always the Lord, but it may come through a different channel. And sometimes we get carried away, especially if we're rich and we're smart and we're talented and we've been able to make a really good mark on this world, that somehow it was because we're so bright. We're so awesome. We got, whoa. By just saying, God, give us, you're acknowledging that you're not the source of your own blessing. Number four, by saying, give me, it reflects a confidence to be straightforward and to ask and to put it on the table. I've got to go through some counseling classes. I've got to go through some counseling seminars. And there's a word out there that gets confused with aggressiveness, but it's the word assertiveness. And assertiveness means that you feel so confident in the relationship that you're talking about that you feel safe to say, I want this. It's an, uh, being able to express your desires, being able to say, give me. And that's a trait that healthy couples have. When a husband and wife can say, give me, or at least they have the, the ability to ask for it, it means that it's a healthy situation. In, um, so if you don't speak up, then you'll usually try to manipulate to get what you want instead of just asking for it. Do you see that? That you've, you know couples that are passive-aggressive and manipulative, and instead of just asking for what they want, they go about it in a, in a really bad way. A baby doesn't have to ask. Its needs are provided for. But as children mature, mom and dad want the child to be able to communicate and express their needs, right? Yes. Now, when my children were little, and it was Christmas time, Based on living with them, I knew what to get them. Or, let's be honest, Tammy knew what to get them, right? And as they get older and they grow and we have an empty nest and they've flown away and it's Christmas time, we don't live with them, we don't know what they need, so we call and we say, what would you like for Christmas? And if they don't say, this is what I would like, you know what they're going to get? Something stupid from dad. 
that's going to be regifted and not even in their house a month later, right? Because they've learned, I need to ask. And it's not selfish to ask. It's okay to say, give me. Now here's probably the best thing about give me. Give me makes you examine what you're about to ask for. You examine what you're going to ask for. You have to put things in priority. Face to face with your request. So what are you going to ask for? In fact, if we had the time, it would be really cool to do this. You can do this at home on your own. I don't know how long it would take you, but you could do it. Ask God for a thousand things. Write out a thousand God give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Sounds selfish, right? It's not. Ask. But then do the top hundred of that thousand. Then out of the top hundred, do the top ten. And then out of the top ten, boil down to one. And you'll find out that as you ask for God for things or stuff or emotions or whatever, it starts to reveal what? I'm pointing at it. What does it start revealing? Your heart. It starts revealing your heart. A lot of thought has to go into that, to list that one thing that you would ask God for. And give us is plural, like the rest of the, the model prayer. Nowhere in the model prayer does it say pray for your neighbor except for in the sense of us. You pray for yourself and you pray for your neighbor. And who's your neighbor? Everyone. Pray for everyone. And so here's the fill in the blank. It took me a long time to get there. Heather, if you can throw this up. Prayer then is an attitude. Should be up there. No? Then I'll just have to say it to you. Here's the fill in the blank. Prayer is an attitude of daily dependence on Him. It's depending on Him. You know, the church that got slammed by Jesus in the book of Revelation was the church of Laodicea because they said, I'm rich and I don't need you. I don't need anything. And Jesus said, you are so Ask of me and I will give you. But they had this idea that they were rich. Now, give us, here's the next phrase, this day. Now, this day means 24 hours. It's the period that you and I are alive in right now. Ask about everything that is scheduled today. A walk, a lunch, a trip to the store, a confrontation you're going to have to have, a trial that you're in, whatever it is, We're talking about this day, not tomorrow's problems, but today. We don't worry about tomorrow. Do you know God knows which day of the month your cupboards are going to be empty? He knows everything that's going to happen. So we don't have to worry about tomorrow. He said in this model prayer that we need to be asking the Lord about today. Give us this day continues to reflect this dependency on God for the moment and not our self-sufficiency. Christians, hope isn't in tomorrow, but hope is in the God of today. 
who happens to have tomorrow in his hand. Did you catch that? Hope isn't in tomorrow. Non-Christians have no hope except for in tomorrow. I hope tomorrow's better. I hope next week is better. I hope I get a better job. I hope I get a better wife. I hope I get better kids. I hope I get, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Always in the future. Our hope is in today. Give us this day. This day our daily bread. Now we don't, just as a tangent, we don't tell God how to answer our prayers. Oh, maybe some of us do. (laughs) Don't we? God, this is how I'm going to fix my family. You do this to this person. and No. God gets to answer our prayers the way he deems it best. Because his day is tied to eternity. And God is always working upstream. He is always preparing you for tomorrow. Did you know that? Sometimes he lets you go through some circumstances today because he knows that you're going to need that tomorrow. He knows that you're going to come through the trial and you're going to have strength from it and your faith is going to grow. And he allowed you to go through it because he knows what's coming up. Give us this day our daily Now this word daily is a completely different word than the word day in English. You know, in English we just make it an adverb by adding L-Y. But this this Greek word, it's a little more complex. It's a little more significant. It, It does refer to time, like you brush your teeth daily. You get dressed daily. You eat daily. It describes these regular type activities. Daily is only used, this word used twice in the whole New Testament. And it carries this idea of time, but it also carries this idea of measurement. Kind of weird. A word that really we use to refer to time, referring more to measurement or allotment. This is what Proverbs says, Proverbs 38. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. How well do you know your history? Remember when the Israelites left Egypt? They they escaped from bondage and they're out in the wilderness and they have no food. They've eaten up all their provisions and they are daily depending on God to feed them. And he's going to feed them with manna. And manna is a word in Hebrew that means, what is it? That's what the word means. What is it? Let me just read you from the text. Exodus 16. I'll I'll get there. You can if you want to also. But it's Exodus chapter 16. And let me just describe this manna to you for a second. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Drop down to verse 13. So in the morning dew lay around the camp, and when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, finest frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? Manna. Manna. For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord has commanded. Gather it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. 
You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. The people of Israel did so. They gathered. Some went out and gathered a whole bunch, buckets and buckets and buckets. And others, eh, maybe half a bucket. But when they measured it, when they got it back to their tent and they measured it, they all had the same amount, one omer. Isn't that amazing? little miracle every single day on top of a miracle. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any over until the morning. But some of the Israelites were a little sneaky. They were afraid that the, this wasn't going to show up in the next morning. So they kept some. They hid some. And when they opened it up in the morning, it was wormy. And it bred and it stank. Bread worms and stank. And Moses got angry with them. And morning by morning they gathered it, each as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. What does that have to do? God knows exactly what you need, your allotment, your measurement for today. God doesn't change. He still provides our daily bread to trust him and for him alone to to meet our needs. Now, don't get the idea that God is being stingy and he only wants to give you exactly the minimum. It's just he knows exactly the right amount, enough to to, to, to thrive. Now, God is generous. Remember when Nathan the prophet confronted David? David had stolen Bathsheba from his, her husband. And Nathan comes to him and says this, David, remember you were just a little shepherd boy? God made you king. And then after he made you king, he gave you a nation, uh, even a greater nation. And then you, you like girls, you like women. He gave you several wives. All you had to do was ask God for more and he would have given you more women. But because you have done this, some bad things are coming your way. Don't take matters into your own hands, but ask. It's the right amount that he's going to give you. And give us this day our daily bread. Bread's a metaphor that represents all the things that we need. It's much wider than food or even physical stuff. And in my hands is the little brochure from Tammy's grandma's funeral. This is Tammy's grandma. Nowhere on this piece of paper does it say anything about stuff. But most of the times when we ask God, it's always about what? Stuff. Stuff's not that important. Man will not live or cannot live on bread alone, but by what? By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when we ask for our daily bread, it's much wider than physical bread, physical stuff. Even non-Christians do not put stuff in funeral notices because they know it doesn't matter. Stuff doesn't matter. And I will tell you this, it's more difficult to pray for your, your physical stuff when your pantry is full. You pray differently when your pantry's empty. Am I right? Yeah. 
But what about your emotional needs? Do you ever pray about your emotional needs? Do you ever ask God to meet those for today? What emotional needs do we have, Rob? Needs that have to do with purpose and value and companionship and acceptance and maturity. Does God see my hurts? Does God see the road before me? Does he care? Am I willing to let him in to heal me emotionally? Where, where am I seeking value from? Is it my bank account? Is it trying to please other people? Do I feel more like Shamu sometimes, jumping through hoops to get a bucket of approval so that my family or my coworkers or my neighbors will love me? Can we pray about those things? Is, is God wanting to supply that daily bread? And what spiritual needs do we have? Wisdom and knowledge in, in Christ, obedience. We need to understand forgiveness. We need to give forgiveness. We need to change our character by this process that he comes in and lives in us. Man, there's that attitude of worship and service and joy. Oh, those are spiritual in- attributes. But our greatest needs are not physical. So, what would give us this day our daily bread sound like if we were praying? Just like last week, let's pretend that it's Monday morning and we're going to pray. Now, I wrote the words, but you can pray along as if you Number one, though, remember, we need help. We're in a place of humility and a place of dependency. Number two, we're asking for today in real time, in today's events. Number three, we're asking about that what is needed that reflects the real need in our heart. And we're asking about a physical and emotional and spiritual needs for ourselves and others. So what does that look like? Here's some starters. Father, help me today to find your peace in my life. Things seem to be out of control. I need you. How about this? Lord, I ask for strength today. I am to hear from the doctor And I will stand on your promise of love for me. How about this? I ask that you would guide my thoughts today. Help my ears to hear your voice. I feel as if I haven't heard from you in a long time. I feel disconnected. Can we talk about our emotions to God like that? That I feel that way? Absolutely. I feel disconnected today. Tune my heart. Father, give me sunshine today as I fight discouragement. And if the sun doesn't come out, let me look for a person that you will put across my path that will be like sunshine. Lord, help my attitude at work. I feel so valueless. Let me see how much you value me. Jesus, I'm running out of money. Will you shrink my grocery bill? May everything I buy at the grocery store be on sale today. Stretch those two loaves and five fish or five fish and two loaves. You do the math. I trust in you. Father, I ask for healing 
for my friend at church. Let today be a good day for her. Let her have rest from the battle. Sometimes you just want a break. You're in the battle, you're in the battle, you're in the battle, and you just want a break. That's what we're asking for this person. And you can ask it for yourself. I just need a break today. Give me a respite, Lord, of your peace. Refresh her like only you can. Fill her with your presence. Lord, would you provide comfort for the family that has lost a loved one? Give me an opportunity today to bless them. Oh, Jesus, guard my mouth today. You always provide a way of escape. Let me see it. Let me look for the off-ramp. I need a big flashing sign today because I'm grumpy. Can you pray that? Yes, you can. That's part of give me this day daily bread. Father, I need your ability to forgive those that hurt me. Help me see them the way you see them. Lord, my critical spirit is is damaging my children. Forgive me. May your grace cover them for what I said in anger. Teach me a better way of expressing myself. Can you be that bold and honest and genuine with God? Yes. Thank you for my job today. Help me to appreciate, to work hard as unto, unto you. Help me to see it as a way to bless me. So give us this day our daily bread. It's a word from the Lord. God is good and righteous and safe. And we can ask Him. And what we ask Him reveals what's going on in our heart. But maybe you haven't asked the most important question. And that is, Lord, do you want to save me? You know, we always assume everybody that we run into that goes to a Christian event knows Jesus. But maybe you don't. And maybe that's the question that you have to ask. Lord, will you save me? Will you give me salvation? And he is more than willing to do that because he loves you. I know this is a weird way of doing sermons for this prayer that we're doing some examples and then re-looking at it. But I don't want prayer to be something that you think that only saints do or that you're doing it wrong or that you can't do it anywhere you're at. God wants you so bad to find that corner and just pour your heart out to Him. Now we're about to come into a time of communion and a lot of people use that time of communion. And sometimes I wish communion would last an hour. Sometimes because we're, we're just starting to get into the presence of Him and suddenly it's over. Am I right? And yet, you know, okay. But you can do that daily. Coming into His presence. It is not selfish to ask Him. But ask Him the things that reflect your heart and then He'll deal with it. As that bread comes around... You're invited to take it. You can hold it for as long as you want until you're ready. And that juice that represents the blood, it's going to come. And when you are ready in your spirit, and you're ready to listen, you're ready to talk. And sometimes your prayer can be as simple as, Lord, help me. Help me. Or Lord, I I miss you. I, I don't know where you're at. I seem to have wandered off in my own little kingdom. 
Or maybe it's just a time of reflection of, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And all these blessings come to mind. Let me pray over our communion.